made uh, sure to include all of the difficulties. Yeah, you son of a bitch. She- Welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for new views and overreactions to all things NFL. It's been a while, but we're here. The off-season's in place, and it's time to start the previews. So, hey, we've got Connor here, we've got Fitz. Hello. And we've got Sean. Hello. How are we getting on, guys? How are we finding the off-season? We're now into June. It's uh, it's starting to feel proper off-season-y now. Uh, are we excited? I believe we're 100 days out, or just below 100 days out from the start of the start of the season. Yeah, we're starting to get to that point where all the other sports start to finish up as well. So the, the football season, the soccer season, as, as I should say, finished last week and the NBA is coming to the finals. So there, there'll be, unless you're really into like baseball or cricket, there'll be no sport for about a month and a half because the stupid World Cup isn't until November this year. Um, so yeah, that's kind of when things kind of, that kind of, that, that July kind of, Lack of any sport really is good for kind of wetting the appetite about what's to come, um, and uh, so yeah, it's um, it's yeah, it's, it's how I kind of map the seasons. I think a little bit in terms of the sports thing. And yeah, now we've uh, gotten away from nature as much. And we'll talk about it in a wee bit, but it's also now it's, now's the time that we start to plan our uh, our like NFL trips for the season if we're going to go and take in any <laughs> games. Uh, how about yourself, Ronan? How's all down in Cork? How are you finding it? Yeah, it's good. And I don't know, Sean, you're, you're playing disrespect to the UEFA Nations League, a very elite <laughs> we'll definitely want to watch a lot of. But uh, oh, yeah, gosh, no, I think man. they're not too bad. I think, as Sean said, like the last month, it's kind of been uh, the wedding, there was a lot of football, a lot of sports, and now it's kind of settling into more, something more uh, relaxed. Uh, and so and uh, for me at work it's more uh, working on towards a project that comes out at the end of July so yeah, overall uh, it should be quite enough coming up, but uh, yeah, these previews should give us a chance to Get the, as you say, the appetite whetted for the upcoming season, starting yeah. with the uh, AFC East. Yeah, it's fun. I actually, I had, I had a moment there when I was wandering back to the house the other day, and I, uh, I, I was just trying to remember where certain players had gone at this point. So this is always a good kind of uh, refresher on it. Um, just as a side before we crack into the news, uh, did you happen to listen to the most recent um, Move the Sticks podcast? I believe I did. Yes. Their takes were so bad. I've now unsubscribed. Genuinely, it was just complete horseshit. Both of them picked the teams that they work for as the best chances to win multiple Super Bowls in the next five years, and then went on to spend eight minutes explaining why. And it's I know it's an off-season trope in the AFC West, which we will get to, that the Chargers are the winners. But they went into depth about how the Chargers have the best quarterback in the division, how they have the best team in the division, how it's clear that they are the class of it. And I just I, I couldn't believe that while they're working for the NFL, they're just chilling for the for the for the for the for the, for the, for the teams that they're working for. I, I was just genuinely just like this is ridiculous. And then their next pick was the fucking Cowboys. <laughs> yeah, like, like not to get too inside baseball on a podcast that is not as popular as some other podcasts on that. Uh, on that yeah, network, yeah, like, like, like this network. podcast, we're more um, popular than them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they they were a big upper of Urban Meyer back in the day. They had him on for multiple interviews and kind of uh, where saying yeah. how great coach he was, and uh, that obviously did not go quite as well when he moved to the NFL level. But uh, yeah, like, look, it's it's one of those podcasts. It's it's it puts itself as a scouting podcast. It's good around the NFL draft era. era but like once again, there's there's better podcasts for kind of watching into the proper off season. 
yeah, probably was, uh, as well. It's it's yeah, it's it's it, it was just it was genuinely like it's a rare occasion where I'm ten minutes into a podcast and I'm like, no, I'm just not gonna listen to these guys anymore. <laughs> just leave it be for now. Uh okay, let's get into some of the transactions. We'll fly through these because obviously as we go division by division, we're gonna talk about a lot of these. Um Philadelphia traded their twenty twenty two first and third round pick for wide receiver AJ Brown from Tennessee. This comes obviously after a lot of um stories in the media that he was unhappy, he was looking for a deal that Tennessee weren't gonna pay him, and Tennessee fans say no, that's never going to happen. Uh, he was traded, and now Tennessee have picked up Traylon Burks uh, in the first round to uh, kind of replace him there. Uh, it's a loss for Tennessee, and we'll go into that when we get to them. But like, I am a little bit kind of, I'm a bit unsure about that Tennessee offense anyway. Uh, so I wasn't sure if paying him was going to to sort it out. But like, you know, I, I, I that's more a general unsurety around that team because he's a decent player. Uh, I'm not sure he's worth the first and the third, but I don't. I don't really know. I, I like that Philly are going for it. I suppose. Yeah, I mean the the wide receiver market is just so screwed up this summer anyway because of all the the massive contracts people are getting. Um, so I'm, I'm not surprised this kind of secondary impacts and craziness in terms of. It. I I mean I thought Brown was becoming their number one kind of solidly. Yeah. I mean I think he was becoming the go-to guy in a, in a system which, albeit relies on the running back more, but still has passing options um, involved. So, I mean, it is a loss for a team that was, you know, the, I think there was, were they the number one seed or they were, they were, they were, good. yeah. 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 So, I mean, it, it is a loss in terms um, of that, um, especially since, I mean, if it's a rookie you're drafting to replace them, I mean, yeah, there's, there's probably uh, some problems down the line in terms of that. We can get into that a bit more, but I do think it is a loss for the Titans. But I mean, with the way the market was, it's inevitable a major name was going to be like, pay me X amount of money, and the team's going to be like, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, you're not getting Christian Kirk money, money around here. Speaking of uh, movements in the wide receiver market, the Arizona traded their first round pick for Marquise Brown and a third from Baltimore. Big surprise, really, in this case, because I think he's a good player. I don't think he's proven himself to be that good a player. Um, Baltimore then selected center Tyler Linderbaum with that first round pick. This is. An interesting, maybe a little bit of a jump move trying to appease the uh, the, 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 the their quarterback in Carter Murray, but it does make a little bit more sense, as we'll talk about in Crime and Punishment, that we find out that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be suspended for six games, so this kind of helps bolster uh, a wide receiver core that's going to be missing their big wide receiver one for the start of the season, Rowan. Yeah, like I think this is not great value, but if you ignore the value aspect, I think it's fine as a move uh, I think there's a prior relationship between these two players I think Kyler Murray I think things are moving in a very positive direction now uh, between Arizona and Kyler Murray he's now showed up OTA so I think the offer on the table for him in terms of extension coming up soon and then this deal has probably smoothed things over there uh, on the other hand for Baltimore they get rid of a wide receiver and I look Marquise he hasn't quite Hollywood hasn't quite lived up to his marquee name but he's obviously been one of the dynamic playmakers on that offense, and now you're really relying on Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews alone, effectively, uh, to replace him. And uh, the reaction from Lamar Jackson on Twitter at the time of the trade was not exactly positive, and that's a team where, you know, where Kyler Murray's getting the extension. That is not currently happening for Lamar Jackson. There's, uh, no. you know, reports that the distance between him and the, and Baltimore, the Baltimore organization are very far, but we'll talk about that more during the preview, no. probably. It's, but, it's uh, also worth noting that apparently this is not just a spur-of-the-moment type 
thing as well that he's been looking for an out from Baltimore for more than the last year and a half. Uh, that he isn't happy with the system, that he doesn't think it's good for wide receivers getting paid and so on. So there's a wider question about people wanting to go and play wide receiver in Baltimore, which is probably feeding into that. But we, I suppose we'll get into that when we're talking Baltimore in a bit. But um, yeah, a bit of a messy one. New Orleans signed Tyrion Matthew, three years, $28 million contract, and Jarvis Landry. So we'll we'll go into these in depth afterwards. And Philly signed uh, James Bradbury after he's released by the Jets. He got a one-year, $7 million Contract Cleveland have re-signed Jadavian Clowney one year ten million. He lied to the press and said he was offered multi-year contracts for much more money with other teams, which is just clearly not true. Uh, and Cleveland have also extended tight end David Njoku in a four-year fifty-five million dollar contract. Oh, I want to talk about that one. That's a terrible contract. Uh, Green Bay have extended Jair Alexander four years eighty-four million. Good stuff. Pricey. Atlanta extend Gar- Grady Jarrett five year or sorry three years fifty million. Pretty good, but sure, who else is on the team? And Jacksonville extend left tackle uh, Cam Robinson in three years 54 million decent money I suppose he might as well get paid if he's going to be stuck playing there anyone in there jump out of you you want to talk about well I want to hear the David and Joku takes first <laughs> oh, we, are, we are going to be going into uh, chatting with the Browns later on uh, sorry in the next podcast but uh, yeah Jesus Christ like why are you paying this man this much money he looks like a very good tight end and every third or fourth game will show up with a halfway decent performance but like he has absolutely feck all yards in his four or five years in the league so far he has 15 total touchdowns so like if i remember correctly he averages something like is it 400 yards and three touchdowns a year and they're paying him like 16 million dollars a year for that like it makes absolutely no sense to me and they cut austin hooper this offseason because they obviously need to cut down, I suppose, in, because of the big money they'll be paying out soon. Although it'll be kind of weird this year because they have plenty of cap space this year, but I imagine they're going to be holding on to a lot of that for a rollover so that they can deal with the fact that Sean Watson's contract is going to be ridiculous yeah. in years to come. Uh, but even given that, this seems like a rather unusual contract. But like I suppose given that they don't have any picks for the foreseeable future, I suppose whatever young talents they, they do think might be somewhat useful over the next few years, they kind of might maybe are a bit more desperate to hold on to. But yeah, the objective facts of his production so far do not suggest that he should be paid like a top three tight end. He's just not shown that. But like, look, he's got the upside. He's got all the measurables and stuff like that. But yeah, the actual production, probably usually what you're supposed to get paid for, not the that you look good uh, occasionally. Which is probably could be settled up for Clowney as well, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and Clowney was just out lying to the lying to the media, saying like he turned down much bigger deals with much more money in them um, to, to to stay in Cleveland's. Like, no, you didn't. That's just clearly not true. Like, no one who has moved around teams as much as you do is choosing to take a one-year, ten million dollar deal if there is a three-year, forty million dollar deal somewhere on the table elsewhere, and you're sure shit not staying in Cleveland for it. Like, yeah, he really you know, loves the Browns I, project. That's why he wants to stick around. Yeah. yeah. Like, I could see like some like team like the Patriots or the Steelers, someone like that, offering a really no no guarantees long term contract that kind of would keep him under team control. Oh well, that's it. Like I could I could I could see someone offering him a four year contract. I just can't imagine that he was going to get paid like he was trying to claim he was being offered. You know? Yeah, actual money on the table definitely not but in terms of like the you can get weird kind of looking contracts yeah yeah well you can get like like what's it the the um the 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 not a quarterback quarterback down in um new orleans like he had one of those that if you hit very specific things you're going to get paid 600 million dollars because sean payton loves you like yeah yeah, those type of of ones do exist 
Yeah, and to be fair, these other extensions, there's nothing too huge about it. Like, I think Shear Alexander, he's shown he can be a Pro Bowl, all-pro type cornerback. He's still young, and we know that they get paid a lot. You know, you're certainly not going to get a better deal. Might as well use that Devontae Adams money. Yeah, well, that's also true. They have a fair amount of cap space now. Uh, Grady Jarrett, as you said, like, he's getting up there in years, but Atlanta have literally nothing to spend any money on for the next three years, so why not give it to Grady Jarrett, a good servant for the team? And Cab Robinson, this kind of came just before the draft, and that was basically the last the kind of nail in the coffin that they were going to draft um, as someone like Ike McConu or Evan Neal with the first overall pick. They obviously went in the defensive direction with that pick. Um with Draven Walker, uh, so for now they're kind of they'll keep using Robinson as their left tackle. He's not the best in the league, but he's probably moved into kind of average like Eric Fisher territory um, of being fine. There's not not a it's not a big issue. Just kind of keep him around, and we'll build the rest of the offensive line around uh, around him. Yeah, moving on. Crime punishment. What are they doing? Probably felonies. Uh, Arizona wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended for six games uh, for PEDs. Uh, he's not going to be appealing this, uh, presumably. Just they kind of went, right, we're not going to turn around and if I appeal, it might go up. Um, yeah, I, I, it, if I remember correctly, is this something like beaver tranquilizers or something like that that were in this one? It's It was something where he's like, I wasn't careful enough was his uh, particular mm. uh, saying. But uh, yeah, I think it's just one of those situations where, you know, we know that sports people are trying to edge things and they have people involved in their lives who give them supplements and all that kind of stuff and occasionally these people get associated with people who have a bad reputation but they still go to them anyway and then they end up getting something like this he presumably or hopefully will learn his lesson and avoid having people like that in his life and just stick to people who can be trusted yeah yeah i mean i thought it was interesting just that the wording of his uh, statement because most times when something like this happens that they have their ready-made excuse of you know it was my wife's ex my wife's slimming pills or, you know, some random guy gave me this thing and I wasn't uh, thinking about it. Where Hopkins just seemed to be, I mean, I, he comes across as genuinely surprised. And I don't know if that's just kind of just good PR or whatever, but he comes across as being like, I did not expect this to happen. This was something got into my usual regimen that I wasn't expecting. I'm going to look into it and get to the bottom of it. And the fact they're not appealing, it, I mean, it does suggest that maybe it's just a, he's just a good guy who, who got caught with something, you know, that he wasn't expecting would, would, would flag it or, or something like that. So, I mean, I, I mean, it may just be, you know, massaging on the, on the basis of a PR firm, but the, the, the language is definitely different than what you expect from other people who do this. Cause there wasn't a ready made excuse. There wasn't a scapegoat. It was just like, look, I screwed up and I'm going to look into it and make sure this doesn't happen again. Kind of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, Josh Lambeau suing Jacksonville for damages over a hostile work environment. Uh, obviously, we mentioned beforehand, uh, ex-head coach Urban Meyer was meant to have kicked him during practices uh, <laughs> for some reason. Uh, just this Urban Meyer story just keeps getting just more and more fucking ridiculous. But yeah, go on, Josh, get yourself paid. Uh, just stupid, more stupid shit from Urban Meyer. Um, Las Vegas president Dan uh, Ventrell who's fired after citing hostile work environments to owner Mark Davis, uh, who he claims then dismissed any kind of fact that there was anything there. Uh, the NFL is now investigating that. This is a little bit of a red flag here, given that there's been multiple, like, last, or sorry, I suppose it's not Las Vegas, we'll just say Raiders um, execs leaving, uh, because some of them were under the tenure in other cities and so on. But... Yeah, like, there's been a lot of them disappearing. There's been a lot of, like, you know, those emails that were going in between, um, the, uh, like, the, their, their ex-coach and stuff as well. Like, it was, it's a bit messy. There's a lot of 
kind of execs who have just been cleaned out and it doesn't look phenomenally well for them at the moment um like this is a long-term staffer who apparently raised ongoing issues to mark davis who then said nah and fired him um yeah if this is true it's not a great look for them right yeah, so there was a New Times, New New York Times article coming out basically saying that it's an organization which is going through a lot of executive departures, which are the thing that everyone knows about, but also that the financial management of the team is not great, that they're not paying their electric bills, that they're firing people. There's a lot of like non-disclosure agreements to kind of keep people silent. But yeah, it's just not a great sign that the organization, which obviously had their big move to Las Vegas a couple of years ago, is kind of, it feels like perhaps it's still going through a transition there. We know that the owner... Uh, Mark Davis isn't one of the more um, super wealthy owners. He's obviously a guy who's rich because he owns an NFL team, not a rich guy who happens to own an NFL team. And he's obviously someone who inherited his team from his father, Al. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me, given that circumstance and the fact that Mark Davis has never struck me as a particularly exciting executive or owner at the best of times that this is an organization that's kind of been flapping around. Certainly the whole John Gruden situation does not speak to an organization that has been thinking... Uh, clearly um for the last uh, decade or so and yeah this here coming from these kind of people like dan ventrell is not that surprising um but we'll see what effect it has it hasn't kind of broken into dan snyder levels but uh it's certainly in the kind of bottom let's say uh quartile of of performance in terms of uh, how much you think the ownership is helping or hurting the team yeah uh we've also seen uh running back Tarek cohen who people will remember from the bears back in the day and kind of he's been injured for a little bit the last season and a half uh he unfortunately now has torn his achilles and he's gone for the season uh it happened while he was doing a live training on instagram uh i don't know if you watched it but like he wasn't doing anything too mad or crazy it was just footwork drills and you could hear the thing snap on it it was uh it was not good and again like i said not a great not a great kind of likelihood then of him coming back again he's getting on a little bit in age uh he had two i think relatively serious because i think he had his acl and he also had another injury beforehand um but he was you know he was an all pro um uh punt returner if i remember correctly and he had quite good kind of pass catching uh back seasons there but um yeah i, I gotta imagine it's the end of the road for him he's only 26 yeah, I I... which is kind of feels it feels bad man <laughs> I think he's been officially cut by the Bears now as well, so it is. Uh, you came to some, I think he came to like some kind of injury agreement with them, so they gave him a bit of money to cut him or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's you, sometimes you see this people fight back and they have great comebacks. Sometimes it doesn't happen. I mean, it really is down to the. I mean, it, it's can the body take the recovery? Can does the person have the mental fortitude to keep going on the tough days when things aren't going well i mean it is it's a very tough it's a very tough road back and it could be a year or two or whatever before um because i mean achilles is never a nice injury so uh yeah it's a tough situation definitely to be in um and uh yeah we wish him all the all the best on his recovery i suppose and uh yeah yeah sad one i suppose yeah he did miss the entirety of last season with acl injury so we're talking three years probably between when he was last a productive player and when he could potentially be a productive player again because he's going to miss the season uh, as well yeah i know it'll be a tough row back if he does make it and I'm, I'm not sure he will uh other bits of news uh sad news arizona cornerback jeff gladney has died at age 25 in a car accident it was reported uh just earlier this week um but jeff yeah, kind of he'd, he'd had some off the field troubles and so on but jesus it's, it's very rough now that's two very young players uh in kind of car related incidents uh in the last month or so so uh 
rough going to, to, to him and his family. Uh, Pittsburgh defensive end Stefan Tewitt is retired after eight seasons at age 29. He cites the passing of his brother Richard and wanting to finish up his degree is a reason for moving on. This continues kind of a, a trend of players choosing to um, to finish up earlier in their career. Uh, we've also had discussions around that. I'm sure it'll come up whenever we get around to it on the reviews of uh, some maybe the best defensive player in the league at the moment discussing similar things of wanting to uh, to only have played eight seasons and happy to step away from the game otherwise. Uh, Pittsburgh also named Omar Khan as their GM. Uh, he's promoted from their VP of Football and Business Administration. He's been part of the organization for 21 years, so a very Pittsburghy type move. Uh, Tom Brady's locked up his post-career thing, and we'll, we'll, we'll come on to this whenever we're, we're discussing them uh, later on in this episode, but like this is... Uh, so, well, I, I always think I still think of Tom Brady in terms of the Patriots, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but yeah, this is 100% going to be Tom Brady's last year. Uh, he signed a 10-year, $375 million deal wow. to become the lead on Fox Sports whenever he retires. Um, it's absolutely monster money for it. Uh, international series has been confirmed. London is Miami at New Orleans. Giants at Green Bay. Denver at Jacksonville. And the Munich game, the one that we are hoping to get to, is Seattle at Tampa Bay. And Mexico City have San Francisco at Arizona. The Pro Bowl is... Uh, and uh, poor and out if this happens, boys. Uh, it's under threat that they might not actually bother doing um, a Pro Bowl uh, game anymore. And they might just do a skills competition, uh, which I do not like. And uh, just to update you on our mock draft that went through, Ronan and the consensus pick machine both got eight points. Uh, I received five points and Sean received two points. So a uh, great showing all round. Um, so, yeah, is there any of those bits you guys want to pick up on? Those are just the kind of wrap up of the other bits of news. I mean, the Brady thing is, is it's just ridiculous, right? This guy has zero experience in this. They they haven't even done a test one. And, I mean, Drew Brees recently got canned for not yeah. being all that good at this. Um, it's twice as much as Romo is going to be making. And Romo is, I mean, he's the top of the class in terms in terms of this. He doesn't have to take up the job until he decides to retire. I, I mean, it, it feels very desperate from Fox just to make sure they have him. With the loss of uh, Troy Aitman and Joe Book, they're obviously trying to get another mm. big name. On it, I mean, the most sense it makes for me is that this means that they can put him into golf games with with presenting Fox. I mean, I think that's where the money in this is is him as a name attached to the Fox brand, and um, is where they're going to get their money back because I don't know how good an analyst he's going to be. It's a ridiculous amount of money. Ten years. If he's terrible, what happens? He's terrible day one, and you've given him a ten-year, three hundred seventy-five million dollar contract. I mean, it's ridiculous, but. I mean, I guess Fox, the Fox guys, thinks it makes financial sense yeah. just for having the name attached to it. If, him, if I remember yeah, correctly, there's some, there's some kind of weird. I, I don't think everyone's seen all the details of it. There's something about like that it's attached to the group as well. So it can be also that the company will kind of use him as a, as, as, as a, yeah, yeah. as a dude. Basically, the guys on Fox are like, I want to hang out with Tom Brady. How much do you think I have to pay him to be my friend? Um, I'm just imagining now, like as a, like a Tucker Carlson type, like host of one of their like daytime talk shows. Or something like that. <laughs> Um, but like yeah yeah but it, between this the fact that he's arranged like there's a comedy roast of him coming out and like he's, yeah. he he seems to be actually lining up the post career stuff this time around so because uh, he didn't make enough money while he's playing and he doesn't have a you know multi-millionaire supermodel wife why not just keep making that dollar dollar bills y'all but like look like fair enough but then you kind of contrast it to someone like Stefan too he's just you know, he's obviously made a fair amount of money. He's been a very good player for Pittsburgh, and he'll be a major loss for their defensive line, which is one of the kind of unsung heroes of that defense, which obviously has been in the top ten for for multiple years now. Uh, but you know, he's talking about 
you know, I think his br brother Richard was killed in a hit and run last year um, and trying to finish his degree. And as you said, kind of part of a larger trend of lots of players deciding that um, the toll and tear of NFL football is not, you know, once you have your money there's, and you've invested it wisely, there's no point in kind of considering to, considering to do that. And of course, you know, you see a thing like Jeff Gladney where... Uh, very unfortunate he'll never have that uh, opportunity and I think he leaves a son by a one-year-old son behind as well uh, as you said Pittsburgh naming Omar like I'm going to talk about Pittsburgh later but yeah they're a continuity team though we'll see this year there's some big changes happening obviously with the end of the Ben Roethlisberger era and yeah I think the one I think the international series it's Minnesota versus New Orleans I suppose I should just uh, clarify that for you Connor oh sorry I got it wrong there my bad Miami do come to London a lot so I'm not that they do they do um yeah, no, fair but enough. Fair Minnesota enough. this time, which uh, I think last time they were there was with the Pittsburgh game, which was pretty good. I think that's what we were at, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah it was. It was indeed. Um, yeah, no, very good. Uh, sure, look, will we swing into our preview of the AFC East? Okay, so first up, we have the Bills. Uh, Sean, I'm going to have you chat about the Bills. We'll just talk about their additions and losses. So they've added uh, Von Miller, Kair Elam, uh, Daquan Jones, Tim Settle, Jordan Phillips, uh, Terrell Bernard, and Shaq Lawson on the defense. Skill position-wise, they've added James Cook, uh, Jameson Crowder, OJ Howard, Jute Johnson, and uh, Khalil Shakir. And their offensive line rebuild, they've added Roger Saffold, uh, David Quinsonberry, and Greg Manx. They lost off the defense uh, Harrison Phillips, Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, F.A. Obada, uh, Jerry Hughes, and Starla Tulili. Um, they also lost uh, pouring out for our boy Mitch Tiddies, um, Darrell Williams, John Felicino, Cole Beasley, and Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Levi Wallace, and A.J. Klein. Um, obviously, it was a big season for them last year, John. They did very well. Came down to the whole 13 seconds, hitting the overtime, changing the overtime rules afterwards kind of thing against the Chiefs. Um, some of the moves they've made feel like moves that, you know, they're just trying to get that little tiny push over and they're happy with the recipe they have. Is this a Super Bowl or bust year for the Bills? Uh, or, or, or what's their trajectory here? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. That is that is the, the what they're targeting. It is this is the big year for the Bills because they've come close twice now. Josh Allen has kind of solidified himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the league. The the team has got a great offense, great defense. It, it kind of works on both sides of the ball. Good coaching. It's all coming together. And even the the Chiefs, their their big nemesis, I think, are going to take a little bit of step back this year. We can talk about that in a later uh, pod. So for me, this is the Bills year. And I do, I do have a feeling this is going to be it. I think this is when it all clicks together. The team is uh, another year of experience under its belt, another heartbreak in the playoffs. This one much closer than the year before. They're, they're going to be out and they're going to be hungry. They're going to be fighting. They have a tough division, which will, will, will toughen them up or a tougher division than they usually have, which will toughen them up a, a good bit. Um, some interesting additions. Von Miller, I think, gives them just that little bit more on, on the edge in terms of uh, explosiveness on, on the defensive side. The defense was already really good. Uh, Kyrie Elam could be quite uh, exciting um, as well. He, he adds a lot um, to it. Uh, on the offensive side, I mean, the running back situation, James Cook, I don't know if he's the answer there. Obviously, that is their one big deficiency offensively. Is they, they don't really have a running back. They rely on Allen in the running game, but they do still have Singletary Cook. I mean, they find a way to make it work. It can all slot together. Uh, Crow Jameson Crowder, I really like as a kind of a cold Beasley replacement, uh, kind of the slot receiver type. I think he's going to do a lot of damage there. So they've kept all the bits that are important. Allen, Diggs, uh, the, the defensive unit, um, and they've added little bits here and there. They're, they're more seasoned. They're, um, 
they're you know a, a year older and a year wiser uh, and I think this I think this is it and I, I think if they don't win it this year then maybe they'll really start to creep in that they're, they're just not good enough I think they've now got to the point where you know the confidence is is at the point where they believe that they can win it uh, and now they've got to go over it now the big thing is you know do what happens in the playoffs when they say run into the Chiefs or one of the other big teams in the AFC because the AFC is really I mean it's a very stacked conference um, and there's a lot of good teams coming out. Um, and we all have the Bills, though, as not only the best team in the AFC East, but the best team in the AFC overall. And two of us even have them winning the Super Bowl. So definitely not a confidence there. I mean, I just, it, it's hard sometimes. Sometimes the analysis just isn't enough. It's just a feeling. This year, I have a feeling. I was like, this, I, it kind of feels like the Bills year. It kind of feels like they've been working for this. And this is the year it all clicks together and comes uh, into place. Yeah, like I've got them getting the one seat. Uh, I also have them doing the uh, the now traditional crash out in the in the playoffs. I believe. Uh, although to be honest, I, I I can't quite remember who I have winning the playoff matches. So I'm going to need to go back and and double check that. I just put like the seedings in. Uh, I have them win the 13 games. I think Ronan, you have them the same. And Sean, you're going all out. You're uh, 15 games. Yeah, it's just it's just the momentum. I think they're going to get on a run and just start winning game. Be one of those teams that wins like 11, 10 games straight because they're just they're just crushing teams, yeah. uh, and then they're going to find themselves yeah well on top. Yeah. yeah, one one thing to keep an eye out is obviously they they did play well enough on defense that I Trey White last year towards the back end of it, but you know we also did see their defensive backs get exposed at the most critical time possible in the playoffs. So I think Trey White, he's expected to be back during this season, but if he doesn't come back quickly, then Kiri Alam, there'll be a lot more pressure on him to, to make a productive start to his uh, Bills career. So I think this is a really solid team from end to end, but there, if there was one weakness. If James Cook doesn't work out, as Sean mentioned, or if Trey White doesn't come back to the same player in the defensive sec- in the secondary, then that those are the kind of chinks of armor that could matter in an AFC that we're, we're just going to talk about it. it's just totally totally stacked right now yeah yeah no 100 percent um next up we have the jets uh so in terms of additions they've kind of reworked their secondary sauce gardner dj reed uh jordan whitehead marcellus harris all coming in on the offense Garrett wilson Brees hall lakin tomlinson cj azuma tyler conklin and nick uh, Bodden on the defensive side jermaine johnson carl lawson uh, he was there but he was injured for the whole season uh solomon thomas um uh, jacob martin and michael clements they lost from defensive side Mark Marcus May, the safety, uh, Foley Fatusak. I'm going to get that run. F- <laughs> Fatu Kazi, isn't it? I made uh, sure to include all of the difficult Yeah, names. you son of a bitch. She knew I was going to have to do this. <laughs> Jack Lawson, Jared Davis, Blake Cashman. Uh, they also lost Jameson Crowder, Ryan Griffin, Tyler Croft, Keelan Cole, Moses, uh, Morgan Moses, uh, LDT, and uh, Alex Lewis. So the obvious question now is we're in second year under the new head coach uh towards the back end of the season we saw zach wilson make a couple of jumps he had a couple of nice games there on what was frankly a very inconsistent um a very inconsistent rookie year uh and the question now is they've surrounded them with a few more pieces will they be able to to, to, to make the leap uh, like when you look at the skilled position players that they've lost there's nothing major that's gone there they've added the rookie garrett wilson into it they've got the, the their new running back in Brees hall like they've got uh, you know, a couple of little additions onto the onto the owner. Lake and Tomlinson's there. They're hoping that CJ Ozuma will will be an upgrade. Because to be honest, they weren't getting a huge amount out of their tight ends last year. Like you'd hope that that would be the case. Um, like what we saw at the tail end of last year was that Wilson does have a good deep ball, so they can try and make use of that a little bit more. But like, yes, it's important that he makes a jump. Uh, 
but I also think that like the main the main thing is this is a defensive minded head coach who has essentially rebuilt a secondary here, and we want to see if this is going to be able to turn around. Sauce Gardner is in theory exactly the kind of you know uh, franchisee type player that you'd want to put into that kind of spot. They've added DJ Reed. They've got Jordan Whitehead in there. Like there's a lot of pieces there, and it was a god awful defense last year, but this is. You know, uh, this is this is a guy's meant to be able to scheme his way around that. They had injuries last year at the on, on the front seven and so on um, with Carl Lawson and that. But will they be able to actually turn the defense around from a real, real kind of bottom end unit? Because um, you know, Salah, so far I like him. He seems to talk sense. He doesn't feck around in press conferences. He seems to be fairly direct about where they're strong, where they're weak, and what they need to work on. But you're now in the second year. We need to see start seeing some 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 movement from him. Uh, I'm expecting a better season out of them than last year. But as I said, this is a tough division. They have a tough enough little schedule in front of them. Um, we've all got them in the same kind of ballpark here, though. Like, and I would see this as a good enough step in the right direction. I have them winning seven games. I think you're the same, and Sean has them winning six there. Like. I would think if you can get to that kind of seven to eight win range, that's enough of a step in the right direction because I do think that they're lacking somewhat for some of the weapons that they have. Of like, look, Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Garrett Wilson, it's not a terrible group of wide receivers. It doesn't blow your mind. And the tight end position, I don't think, is very good. The running back position is fairly untested. Like, Michael Carter flashed a little bit of times last year, but who knows? Uh, like, what I would hope is that they've got a good base to build on from defense. And like, think of those like late 2000s, early 2010s Jets teams where they're I'm actually probably even older than that. I'm forgetting how old I am. Um, where like it was the defense that was, was the leading part. It was what people were talking about. And I think that's, unless there's a giant step up made by Zach Wilson, that's going to have to be the identity of this team. If it's going to do well, it's going to have to have a powerhouse defense. And then the offense is just you know middle of the pack uh and i could see them getting in that direction there's just an awful lot of new pieces that'll be moving around to try and have that all click in this year will be my only concern yeah and like look we're all as you say agreeing roughly we're all within one score that kind of seven six win scenario but i guess it's one of those teams that has a high degree of variance you know with the upside of these young guys on the secondary uh with this upside in terms of these young weapons that are being put around but obviously the big uncertainty is around zach wilson who let's be honest for the first half of his of his season looked completely lost you know got absolutely annihilated by bill belichick remember um but in the second half of the season you did see steps of progress you did see him been able to work the middle of the field a bit more and showing that potential perhaps to be uh that franchise quarterback they're obviously hoping he is but if he's not a great quarterback i think there's enough talent and, and maybe you know they can put together enough to be a solid team but they're not getting to the playoffs in the AFC right now unless Zach Wilson has been hiding uh, you know Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen level talent uh, behind just a really bad uh, situation in year one and right now based on the evidence provided like I'm probably more on the side of he's more of a uh, a Baker Mayfield than a, a Patrick Mahomes, but you know he can prove us wrong, and he's definitely given a lot more chance with the new weapons and uh, the hopefully the improved offensive line with uh, Tomlinson and perhaps Mickey Becton coming back. Uh, but huge questions over this team right now. Yeah, I mean this is a multi-year project. I, I think we shouldn't be when we're saying the Jets aren't going to make the playoffs this year. I don't think anybody expects the Jets, given where they were two years ago, to be anywhere near the playoffs. This is a Multi, like the first year for Salah was find out what's wrong 
Find out which guys you want to keep, which guys you want to get rid of, which guys you can trust, which guys you can't. Now this is the first year of starting to put the pieces into place. Drafting the the, the, the stars like uh, Sauce Gardner that you want to put in place. Trying to build up slowly, piece by piece, what you have to do. We saw last year, I mean, there were flashes that, that when Salah gets these guys, they will fight for him. One of the things that was really noticeable about the Jets last year is they were always fighting in the games they were in. Sometimes they got absolutely blown out, but when they... Sometimes they would come at teams that weren't ready for the fight, like the Titans and the Bengals. They had they had really good back and forth games against those teams because they came at them and they fought and they and they there was a vague plan and it, it was it, sometimes it worked and sometimes um, it didn't. And that's what happens in year one of any of any program. So I mean, I, I think there there's definitely green shoots there. You can definitely see how it's all going to come together. But now it's that it's that step. Can Zach Wilson? do what is necessary can, can he can he have the franchise put on his shoulders how good will this defense be can salah big start to weave his magic when now that he suddenly has the talent um to back up his ideas so it's a very interesting year for the jets but yeah don't expect them to win more than seven or eight games but um they could be an it could be one of those very interesting kind of red zone situations where you get to watch them on red zone kind of watch them be the exciting underdog taking on bigger teams and maybe they'll get they'll they'll punch a few of them out but it's going to be interesting they'll be a fun team to watch but uh don't yeah maybe not maybe another year or two before they're actually a good team yeah, yeah. like it, it, it the team like zach wilson has to be watchable because if he looks bad or doesn't take a step forward then even if the rest of the team is way better if Brees Hall turns into a franchise running back and the secondary gets sorted out even if they get into like the kind of seven eight nine ten win scenario it's gonna feel like you know you're stuck in Andy Dalton land or, or the next team we might talk about here like that's it's all about the quarterback in terms of them uh you know team people getting happy with them and kind of excited about them uh, and that's where the big the big question is going to be uh, next up, we have the Dolphins, who are uh, going to probably roll and chat about these guys. So they have big, big, big change around. So Mike McDaniel's comes in as the head coach, Josh Boyer and defense coordinator, and they get rid of Brian Flores and open themselves up to lawsuits. Um, they bring in a lot of offensive weapons, kind of deciding this is the year they're going to figure out whether or not two is the guy. So they bring in Tyreek Hill, Cedric Wilson, Chase Edmonds, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, Trent Sheffield, uh, Erica Kazama uh, on the offensive line. They bring in Taron Armstead, Colin Williams. They bring in Teddy Two Gloves uh, to be the backup. Uh, Eric Ingold, the fullback, and Ted Caracas at centre. They've lost Devontae Parker, Will Fuller, Duke Johnson, Philip Lindsay. Oh, my God. There's just so many also people in this team <laughs> last year. Uh, that's where they all went. Uh, Jesse Davis, Jacoby Brissett, um, Alan Hearns. They were all there. They also lost Justin Coleman and uh, Jason McCordy. So, look, this, this is a team that's clearly swinging for the fences. They've built they've built a machine uh they just need to see if Tua can drive it is is that right Ronan that's basically it. this is a put up or shut up classic situation for Tua um where if he does not look like a franchise quarterback this year with all of the additional resources put around them then they will be moving on next year they have two first round picks next year um so they can trade up even if they do like solid this year and get the franchise quarterback a CJ Stroud uh, or someone like that and yeah, like obviously with Mike McDaniel coming in, he's going to install that Shanahan type system. Obviously, he's coming from San Francisco, and that is one that is seen as being quite quarterback friendly. It's one where, as long as you're able to get the ball out on time to your 
uh, yards after the catch um, weapons, then you should have a pretty good time, and the running back should be able to, like, one cut running back should be able to thrive within the system. And you see that bringing in Raheem Mostert straight away from San Francisco, who, um, when he hasn't been injured, has looked very exciting. Uh, but Chase Edmonds is perhaps a, a more interesting coming from Arizona, a different scheme, but obviously someone we know is has really high dual threat upside. Um, perhaps not someone you want to run through the tackles like three, like a true hundred times a season, but someone who can you can put on a, on a down and be a threat both in the passing game and in the running game at any given time. But of course, the big thing for Tua is going to be he's going to have Tyreek Hill uh, to add to Jalen Waddle, obviously they drafted in the first round last year. Two absolutely freakish weapons obviously Tyreek Hill has shown it over the last like six seven years that he is a unique weapon who forces defenses to adapt to him um because you saw that for the first obviously um three quarters like three quarters of his career he was one of the best deep threats in the league not only able to make those kind of like Will Fuller just run right past them but very easily and very very shifty at the top of his rights to take care of like you know uh, 20 30 yard gains and then having the speed at the end of those to get even more yards after the catch just that he's got really that, that combination of route running shiftiness and just pure speed it's just impossible to deal with and creates huge gaps for the other people who succeeded like Travis Kelsey around him um, and obviously Jalen Waddle similarly last season was just fed the ball again and again and showed what explosive upside he has what's interesting about that though is that like both of them are going to be used kind of like i think they'll probably be like jalen waddle it's kind of a, a almost going to be like how tyreek hill will be used here a lot more shallow depth in terms of the passing range and stuff like that and that probably plays more into it like that comes more into the shanahan type scheme but should also play more into the strengths of two we know he's not a josh allen patrick Mahomes that can throw it 50 yards off his back foot after you know wiggling around for like three minutes uh, type of quarterback he's much more play within the system get the ball out quickly allow these guys to win for you but both these guys while I don't think that's necessarily where they're best used I think both these guys are more than capable of doing that like Tyreek Hill's a stout guy like he's not someone that you can easily tackle at any given time Jalen Waddle showed that even though he was more of a deep threat uh, coming from Alabama that he's able to take volume and turn it into production and if they pair that with a good running game behind this new reformed offensive line where if Terran Armstead is healthy he's a top five tackle Connor Williams is an above average guard um, they added Ted Karras to, to compete with Michael Deiter at centre um, so and you bring in a fullback like Alec Eagle we know that you know someone like Kyle Juszczyk has got paid a lot of money at fullback um, uh, in the San Francisco scheme like there's a lot of things here where two has been given every chance to succeed and if he can't show if he can't be an explosive quarterback if he can't be a franchise looking quarterback this year then he's gone uh, and right now for me it's like a 50-50 proposition I think two is a solid quarterback but he's going to be more than solid because if this is a, like this feels like a team that if they miss out on the playoffs even despite the fact the AFC is so ridiculously stacked it does feel like they're going to move on. I think Tua, the, the seat is very hot for him, and we'll see how it does. I think the defense is mostly continuity, um, and I think that will still be okay and solid because the you know the talent is pretty good, particularly in the in the defensive backs. But yeah, it's all about Tua this year, and both in terms of how this team does, and in terms of the the future of this team in years to come. Yeah, but I mean, it just I just don't know if it if it it all adds up in my head as to how this team is actually going to work. I mean, you you talk about all this kind of great signings. Tyreek Hill is obviously a, a huge talent to have on wide receiver. And yet you watch the hype video they did where it was like Tua playing with his boys and he throws this incredibly underthrown pass and that's the best pass that they have for their for their social media feed. It's like this is this could very easily be a disaster because if if Tua can't throw long, then what the hell is the point of having Tyreek Hill in your team? Like if you Tyreek Hill is a guy, if you can get him behind 
he's got the pace that he can kill anybody. Like he, he he's got the he's got the touchdown speed, but you got to get him into space in order to do that. And, and if Tua can't, Tua can't be the guy to throw to him, then he suddenly becomes a very wasted talent. He becomes like he was to a certain extent of the Chiefs last year where you're throwing in between the, the numbers and he's, he's you know, fighting it out and is just not playing to his, his, his speed. And you talk about this kind of Shanahan-type scheme, which is definitely not what Tyreek Hill is built to be in either. I mean, it just... I feel it, is, it just doesn't add up. And the problem is, if Tua isn't good enough, if Tua isn't the guy... Then you're left with relying on Teddy Bridgewater, who's who's you know going. He was the definition um, of mediocre. So, I mean, I feel it looks exciting on paper, but then you look into it and you're like, I'm not sure how this actually is going to actually work on a football field uh, in in an actual game of NFL. Like yeah. Tyreek Hill still had 1,200 yards and like nine touchdowns last year. He didn't. He, he did, wasted. but that was again that was with Pat Mahomes, not what we've seen of yeah, Tua that, or Teddy Two Gloves. Like, and yeah. the the problem is that I like. Like you said, if this does start to go badly, because it's a new head coach who's not tied to it, I, I could well see him just giving Teddy a shot at some point. The problem that I see beyond this, I don't think Teddy would be fantastic in that system. I don't know who the alternative is, because, like, yes, Jimmy G will be on the market, but Jimmy G is famously shits the bed on particularly deep throws like he did in the Super Bowl that time. Like, Baker's got a bit of an arm, but his accuracy was off, and he's had two sh- shoulder surgeries, so, like, I don't know if you're getting it there. Like, I'm not sure where you're getting someone until next year that you could put into the system because it does this team on paper looks like geez if you could put a top 10 quarterback in there you'd be flying and you can kind of see possibly why they were looking at it and being in the stakes for 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 watson and stuff like that that like as long as as long as they have no morals that was building kind of a, a a team around that you know like like Tyreek Hill can be a Debo Samuel type weapon. I can see that potential. So I think a lot of this comes down to how much you believe someone like Mike McDaniel um, was, uh, you know, being carried by being on the same coaching staff as Kyle Shanahan, or how much he is an equivalent or close equivalent to, to Shanahan in terms of offensive scheming. If he's like even like ninety percent of the play caller that Shanahan is in terms of like like scheming up and creating plays, but also calling them on the field, then. I think this is a team that could easily uh, go quite well because we've seen guys like Jimmy Garoppolo make the Super Bowl within that scheme. And, like, yeah, Tyreek Hill is wasted a bit being treated like Debo Samuel because he's obviously so much more than that in terms of being a deep threat. But, but he's also, he's got his bank in place. Like, he's got his, his deal, so he won't mind doing it as much because he's already got the guaranteed yeah. money. But, like, that, that's also true of Jalen Waddle last year. Like, Jalen Waddle was, to a certain extent, wasted last year because he we know that he's actually a really uh, power, like a really good deep threat from his time in college, but he was treated more like he was Jarvis Landry plus. Um, so, like, it, it is a little bit of a waste of them to some extent. But, obviously, A, if Tua... Like, we, we've seen Tua being bad on the deep ball, but obviously he's not had a great offensive line. If the offensive line is better, then I think anyone who's playing at the NFL level, um, if given time, can be a good deep thrower. Um, and then, on, the, on top of that... That if the running game gets going, that that will take some of the pressure off and things like and play action and stuff for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wallace to be able to feast regardless because that's just how the scheme works. So, yeah, like look, like I I'm not sure in it. I think the two a question for me. I'm like 50-50 on it. Um, but if it does work, this could be a team that could very easily uh, get into the playoffs. It just happens we have the AFC problem um, mostly. But yeah, look, if Tua is who we think he is and he's just like the next Andy Dalton, then. They, I could easily see them getting close to the playoffs, but not quite making it, and then moving on quite quickly at quarterback. So this year, the stakes are high this year for Tua, but not for this team because I think the, what they're building here is a team. If they put the right person in the in the in the seat of the Ferrari, then this thing will purr um, for someone in the near future probably. 
Yeah, so we kind of got a, 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 a good idea of the split that we have on what we think is going to happen here is I've got them winning six games, Sean's got them winning seven games, and you've got them winning ten games. So that's kind of the, 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 the variety that we're looking at here. Yeah, plenty yeah. potential here, but mm-hmm. we'll see. No, of course. Um, next, we'll have a look at the uh, Patriots. Obviously, this is Sean's team, so we're going to let him take the lead on it. Uh, in terms of what they've added, they added Devontae Parker, Tyquan Thornton, uh, Pierre Strong, and Ty Montgomery. Uh, on the defensive side, Terrence Mitchell, Malcolm Butler, Marcus Jones, uh, Jack Jones, uh, who's taking a break from doing a fashion line uh jabil peppers uh mac wilson and then offensive line they've got uh cole strange uh trent brown back from injury uh chase and hines and andrew stuber so they're really trying to build something for the for the second year of their young quarterback uh what they lost this year on defense, JC Jackson, Chase Vinovich, Kyle Vanoy, Donta Hightower, Jamie Collins. Jesus Christ, it's like a greatest hits album. Uh, offensive line, they lost Shaq Mason, Ted Karras, and uh, Jacob Johnson. And then they also lost Brandon Bolden and Gunnar Ozleski. So, Sean, uh, they've lost their offensive coordinator. They have rebuilt an offensive line. It Still transition period, I suppose, um, but it was a stronger performance last year than we were expecting out of them. Do you think that this is going to be purring under a new OC with the rook- well, so it's not rookie second-year quarterback, or do you think this is going to be messy? What what what's your expectations? Um, so a lot of it, I think, hinges on the, you know the believe and build thing. The idea that I mean, Bill, he's. Getting a bit old, and his maybe his GM days, his best GM days are well behind him at this stage, given but the kind of the strange performance at the draft and the such like. But he's still proven last year that he's a defensive genius. That when he's got the pieces, he can put them together. This is a team. I mean, this when you you look at the the, the ins and outs, and you go, this team is probably a little bit weaker than it was last year. But they, I mean, you have to remember this. There was a lot of movement last year. Last year was their kind of big moving year in terms of bringing in the big free agents and such like. This year is supposed to be a little bit more tinkering around the edges. There's some bits I like coming in. Devontae Parker, I think, gives them that that kind of that the kind of really you know. I would maybe not elite, but but close to it. A kind of wide receiver of better quality than they've had before gives Max Jones a, a weapon, an option that he hasn't had before, and that kind of develops him. I think he, I think Mike Jones is going to be a lot better this year. I think he's, it's like any kind of he's had a he had a very good rookie season by rookie standards, and he's going to take a step up in terms of the experience and and working on it. And he's a very hard working guy, so I have a lot of faith that he's going to he's going to take that next step up and be even better than he was last year. Um, there are certain things that are missing. I mean, Shaq Mason being lost, not necessarily being replaced. Being replaced by, uh, you know, uh, or the one potential replacement is, is the draft choice of Cole Strange, which, if nothing else, was a very strange uh, pick because this guy was, you know, projected to go in round three or four, and the the, the Pats ended up using their 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 first round pick on him inst- instead of what they should have done, which was to tra- draft Trent McDuffie when they had the chance and use him as a JC Jackson type replacement. So it, it, there's a little bit of a, I'm not quite sure what's going on there. The loss of JC Jackson on this, on the cornerback is going to be a big loss as well as all these, these veterans who were still, who were still contributing, albeit not as much to their peak years. There's been no kind of replacement and cornerback to be brought in. I mean, I don't think Malcolm Butler is, is the answer there anymore. If indeed he ever was, so I mean, it's yeah, it's it's. I'm less bullish about this than 
at the end of last season, I was like, great, this team has established itself. It's got its identity. It's got its franchise quarterback. They're going to be a year stronger. Everything next year is going to be very exciting. Devontae Parker comes in and was like, this is going somewhere. And then you begin to see that it doesn't quite come together. It, this, the, it sounds like the, the coaching situation is, isn't going great. It, I mean, it, it's, yeah, I don't know. It's We are kind of living a little bit on faith that, that Belichick will provide, that he always performs a, a bit above average. If he can turn the team from two years ago, which had basically zero good players on it, into a seven-win team, then he can probably turn this team into a nine- or ten-win team on the cusp of the playoffs. Um, um, not not a division winner, but but uh, probably at the edge of the wildcard race, um, uh, maybe not getting in this year. But, I mean, it's, yeah, it's... I, it without any Pats team, I mean, it, there's so many off seasons I can remember being like, Jesus, what the fuck is this Pats off season all about? What the hell are they doing? All these players are, are, are terrible or are uninspiring. And then Belichick had a way of fitting them into the system, making them work. It, it all kind of he uses magic and it all starts to work. I gotta believe that that's still the case. I don't think he's quite the same coach as he maybe was five or ten years ago. I mean, age catches up on coaches as much as it does players, but. Um, it's one of those I have to see it on the field kind of things. I, I, I relatively positive this team is going to be above average. Uh, I don't expect them to be world beaters. I don't expect them to compete with the Bills um, for for the top spot. I do kind of expect them to be in that wild card fight somewhere around the six, seven, eight, nine position. And which side of that divide they end up on will be dependent on individual games and the such like. So pretty much where they were last year. Mac Jones will be better. The defense will be a little bit weaker. Um, offensive weapons, uh, a bit of a step up there. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a hard one to tell. I have to see it on the field. Yeah, and it's, it, like for me, like the changes they're making, because obviously they, they kind of ditched a lot of the, the older veterans and some of the guys maybe who people were hoping would, would step up over from recent drafts. And it's just a kaleidoscope because you, you can look at this offensive and defensive roster like three or four or five different ways and see completely different schemes or different uh, like players being put out there like on the offense you know they bring in Tyquan Thornton they bring in Devontae Parker like both of those you know should have a chance to play but is there a chance that both of them end up getting beat out by guys like Kendrick Bourne and Jacoby Myers and uh, and Nelson Aguilar probably like I wouldn't be that surprised because neither of them have proven that they can be like uh you know always consistent starters at running back you've got some you know weird hybrid mixing Damian Harris or Monter Stevenson and James White might be back and Pierre Strong the, the rookie might be the new James White and you're just kind of going okay well we'll see what's sort of there they've always been the method running back but they've somehow made it work uh, in theory Damian Harris should just be his continued like 1,000 yards exactly type self and then Hunter Henry and John o. Smith like is John o. Smith actually going to make that second step up on the offensive line they draft you know three new uh, rookies Cold Strange is probably guaranteed to at least play at one of the guard spots but Stuber and Hines will probably be pushing guys like win and Onoenu in terms of starting there so and Trent Trent Brown is currently like there to play right tackle and he's obviously a very unique player in terms of his physical profile but you know he's obviously been very inconsistent everywhere except for New England when he has been healthy and on the offense I think like the, the defensive line um is it's fair enough, but like this is a team where I look at their linebackers and I look at their defensive backs, and this is a team that I could easily just start. Like Bill Belichick's next great innovation is like not not the tree safety look, but the four safety look, where you got like Kyle Duggar, Devin McCourty, and Adrian Phillips and Jabril Peppers all out there doing weird hybrid uh, safety linebacker bullshit. Um, because when you have guys like Jalen, like Jalen Mills is your top cornerback, you're probably not going to be too excited between him and Jonathan Jones and Malcolm Butler and and Terrence Mitchell and these guys or Jack Jones the rookie like 
But we've seen guys like J.C. Jackson turn into, you know, high-priced like high uh, free agents in this defense. So you kind of just got to trust, as Sean says, in Bill Belichick, who is officially, effectively right now, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, and the defensive coordinator because he's refused to have an official DC or OC and he has like you know weird people involved in the offense and that's kind of creating some issues there but overall at the end of the day they've had weird offices they've had weird coaching situations like they haven't had a DC for many years now and yet because Bill Belichick exists until he goes away we're just going to say we trust them and they'll still be a at the very least a decent team um, but in an AFC which is so stacked and with the division as a whole just being stronger um, with the Bills obviously being a Super Bowl uh, contender and the Miami Dolphins having a much more exciting offense and the Jets building it perhaps something perhaps yeah it's, it's just uh, the margins are much tighter here being a good team mightn't be enough to get you into the playoffs this year but I doubt you're going to see them collapse uh, anytime soon and I think Mac Jones is a good quarterback capable of taking advantage of what's given to him um, it's just I don't know what he'll be given to be honest at the moment yeah like I, I find it weird that this feels like more of a transitionary season than last season to me because look Mac Jones in there I think they're happy enough with Mac Jones and what they have in him uh, so now they've brought in all these like young linemen that like I said some will start some will just push for time but it feels like they're kind of they're setting up the bits for it to be a long term this is this is how it's going to run it's a transitionary period on the defense they're getting rid of a load of people they're bringing in new ones and like you said like god knows with this personnel they might end up doing weird schematic things or bill might innovate it it seems weird to me that we're now into the second year of a or i suppose really third year of a rebuild uh and it feels like now they're really doing the transition. When you have a when you have a, a coach as old as Bill, I kind of thought that he'd be kind of you know he'd want to be further along in this and and kind of m- planning an exit almost. Whereas this feels more like someone who's like, okay, this is year three of an eight year program that I've got in place, which seems uh, odd to me. Um, but yeah, like I think we've all got yeah. them in the same kind of, of ballpark here, don't we? Like between eight and nine wins ish. Uh, and on Belichick, just to note, he's not going to retire. He will die at his desk. I, <laughs> he does. He does feel like that kind of die at your desk kind of dude. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm on the low side of that. I'm on the eight wins. You guys are on the nine wins. Um, but yeah, yeah like, I still have the missing nine and eight is probably not going to be enough in the AFC, but uh, for the playoffs, but because uh, there are going to be a lot of wins in the AFC. The, um, but yeah, so I think it's tenth place is nine and eight for me, and the eleventh place for Fitz. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll be there, there or thereabouts. Very good, very good. And that wraps up our preview of the AFC East. Uh, Next up is going to be the AFC North. So um, I suppose for now, it's bye from myself, bye from Ronan, bye from Sean. It's been all four quarters. Thanks for listening, and we'll chat to you next week.